Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, I wanted to say thank you on behalf of Gabby for your investment in her life. And we, in 2019, uh, funded the Stork Bus. And if you weren't here that time, basically that bus goes where they're places that we normally don't have a brick and mortar building. And so believe it or not, Hamilton County has the highest number of abortions in the state of Indiana. And so that bus spends a lot of time on the north side and uh, oftentimes parked outside of Planned Parenthood or around a college campus. And so I wanted you to meet Gabby because the money that you gave helped eventually find her and find her way to keeping her baby. And so I just want to say thank you. We want to try and do better at helping you see that the money you give at Thanksgiving offering, you, you give it, and oftentimes you don't hear what happens with that. And so we're going to try and do better at, at uh, sharing those stories. But wanted you to hear from Gabby this morning and say thank you on behalf of uh, her and obviously just the, how God worked in her life. So thanks for doing that. Well, prior to the U.S. involvement in the country of Afghanistan, ABC News sent in Barbara Walters to talk to people in Afghanistan about there was a, a massive conflict brewing. Not the normal one around the opiate trade and, the, and the, the Russians and all of that kind of stuff, but there was a massive conflict between men and women. And in their culture, there was some pushback between the men and the women about who could do what. Now, the women didn't want a lot of things. They just wanted to be able to drive. They wanted an education. And they wanted to be treated with respect. And so Barbara is talking to these people before the U.S. gets involved. And she's like, this is incredible. She kind of took it up as her own personal cause. Well, then fast forward about 10 years, the United States gets involved and the Taliban gets pushed out. And Barbara goes back into the country and she, she notes all these incredible advancements. Girls are in school for the first time and they're able to drive in places. And as Barbara is sitting there, she's talking to this group of women that she had interviewed some 10 years prior and she said, I, I have one problem, is that you guys have made so many strides in this great conflict that you've, you've faced, but there's one thing that you still just don't do. And, and one thing that she noted previously and then also currently was that the women always seem to walk about five steps behind the men in their culture. And the ladies didn't like that. And so Barbara sits down and talks to the ladies again, and she says, wait a minute, you guys can now go to school, you can drive, there's all these incredible things, but you still walk five steps behind all the men in your life. What are you thinking? You guys, you fought so hard, but you don't have this. And the lady looks at her dead in the face, and she says two words, land mines. <laughs> so when we think of conflict, if you don't get it, you'll get it in a minute here. When you think of conflict, we often think about who's right and who's wrong. And that's the lens in which we view conflict. But it could be that the Afghani women learned it was okay to lose some conflicts in order to gain or keep your life. And today what I want to help you understand, hopefully in our time in Proverbs, is that there's a better lens to look around conflict. Not just in who's right or who's wrong, but there's something more important. There's something else that is better than right or wrong because a majority of the conflicts that we face in our family are not so much right or wrong. They're usually around a preference issue. They're usually something that starts really small and then it blows up into something big. And I was struck by the fact when I saw that story as those ladies, they were okay. They were like, hey, we'll walk behind those guys all day long. We'll let them think they're in control and in charge. And it turns out they actually were the ones who were right. 
whether it's your family or your work, here at church or friends, conflict is inevitable, but how we handle it is everything. And uh, Pastor Kyle started last week our series through the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and flip over there. Proverbs chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. Conflict is inevitable, but how we handle it is everything. And one of the researchers that's really studied a lot in interpersonal conflict is a guy named Robert Kilman. And Robert Kilman put together this chart that I thought would be helpful because we all fall on this chart in some place. Um, my wife is a withdrawer. She hates conflict. Down here to the bottom and left, if the food is wrong at the restaurant, she just keeps it. And I am not a withdrawer. I am a resolver. I want to fix the problem. And you might find yourself as a yielder that you just avoid a conflict. You want anything to do with it at all. You might find yourself as a compromiser. And if you're a winner, you don't need to tell us who you are. We know who you are. Um, but these are the five types of, of people in regards to conflict. And so I thought it would be helpful because if you see to the left there, you'll see there's a concern for self. And at the bottom quadrant there, there's a concern for others. But for the Christian, regardless of the way that you handle conflict, whether you are one of the people that has to resolve conflict or you withdraw from conflict, regardless of your style, as Christians, we're called to be uh, peacemakers. We're called to restore broken things. We're called to live out an ethic that we would go and pursue the person who we've wronged and we would try and make that right. That's what the call of every single Jesus follower is. So more importantly than being right or wrong, it's how we handle conflict is absolutely everything. And I think that Solomon gives us some incredible wisdom on how to handle conflict. And this is a verse that you've heard before, but I don't know if you've ever thought about it around conflict. You see, Solomon himself was born into conflict. His father, David, of David and Goliath fame, committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had Bathsheba's husband killed, sent off to the front lines of war. So he comes from a, a, an area of conflict. His life wasn't perfect. But one thing that Mark Solomon was, what Kyle encouraged you to do last week was to pray for wisdom. And Solomon prays for wisdom and God grants it to him in incredible ways. It's so incredible the amount of wisdom that Solomon had. It wasn't just noticed by people of the Bible. People from other countries were coming. And even if you ask scholars today, who's the wisest human to ever live, they're going to reference Solomon. So I think it's important to look at what he has to say because in the book of Proverbs, we see he leaves us some wisdom for how to handle conflict. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. If you want to read along with me, it'll be on the screen behind me. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to take it. Uh, it says in Proverbs 4, 23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity, and keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. Solomon says that above all else, you've got to guard your heart for everything you do, or some translations say the wellspring of literally all of your life comes from the seed of your heart. And he says above all else, he's talking about all the things that we guard. We guard our money by putting it in a bank. We guard our homes by putting locks on them. We guard our, our time with a calendar. But we don't give a lot of thought to guarding our heart. And what Solomon is saying is above all the things that you guard, You've got to take care of your heart. And he says that you've got to guard it. We don't spend a lot of time guarding our heart. We spend a lot of time guarding other things, but we're to guard 
our heart. Now, what he means by guarding our hearts is, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guarding your heart is a two-way street. It's about managing what comes in to your heart and into yourself, but also what comes out of yourself. And the reason why I think today is so important, and especially in regards to conflict, because it's not if you face conflict, but when you face conflict, is that Solomon gives us incredible wisdom. He says, look, you've got to guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. But then Jesus comes along a little later, and he pretty much expounds upon these four or five verses, and we'll see that as we move throughout this morning. But guarding our heart does not mean that we're just an escapist and we avoid all things that could potentially harm us. But it does mean that we evaluate everything that comes into our life and we, we let that filter through is, is how we're going to affect our hearts. Our hearts are the seat of our emotions where we make decisions, not the actual physical organ, but the center or core of who you are. When we say the phrase, we want to get to the heart of the matter, we want to get down to what's core. And Solomon says at the core of who you are, you've got to guard your heart you got to guard your heart. One of the most dangerous phrases in our culture is the phrase, follow your heart. Follow your heart. That is one of the craziest things you could do. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that your heart is deceitful. No one can understand it. You know this because when you see something that your heart really, really wants, like let's say you, you, you need a new car. And suddenly you think, my new car is going to fix my problems. It's going to make everything great. And then what happens? You get a new car or a new-to-you car, and suddenly everybody in the world drives that car. And then suddenly you've never noticed this before because you've been so focused on what was going to make you better, but you notice that not only does everybody have it, but theirs is actually a little nicer than yours. And so you find yourself, and you can do this with a car, you can do this with a house, you can do this with a relationship where you set your heart on, this is going to be so much better, and then you come away and you're like, man, that doesn't quite line up with what I thought it was going to be. Your heart is deceiving you. You thought it was going to be here, you thought it was going to fill a hole that only God could fill, and you've put people or things or experiences above that, and you wonder, why am I so frustrated? It's because you've got to guard your heart. Those things aren't wrong. But you can't expect those things, you can't expect those people to fulfill what only God can fulfill. And so you've got to guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Take a look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 20. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus goes on to say, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within... Out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly, Whew. all these come from inside and defile a person. Jesus understood that the problem is us. And so there's a conflict that's brewing for all of us. And it might be between your spouse, it might be between your friends, it might be at work or church or home or wherever. There's a conflict. But really what we find is all of those bad things come from within inside us, which is why we need the gospel, which is why, as Jeremiah would say, that God can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. It's why Paul would say in Corinthians that you need to be a new creation, it's because there's a problem inside of us. 
and it dwells within our hearts. And if we're not careful, conflict is where all of that comes out. And so conflict has a way of revealing what our hearts are really like. And so maybe you've read this verse before in Proverbs and you thought, well, this doesn't really have to do with conflict. Actually, it has everything to do with conflict because conflict has a way of revealing what our heart's status really is, right? It reveals the status of our hearts. You want to know what you're really like? Anybody can live with people when everything's going well. You want to know what your heart's really like? Think about the last argument you got in. Think about the last fight you had. That's the inside of you coming out. Now, the incredible news is, and what you need to understand, is that there is hope for this problem. That Jesus Christ can transform your heart from the inside out. Which is why we, have to, that's why we need the gospel. Because apart from that, we stand no chance of managing this crazy organ inside of us, this crazy person inside of us. And so the problem is us when it comes to conflict. Now, I think conflict fits into what Solomon's saying here because he says, above all else, guard your health for everything you do flows from it. Or in some translations, it's literally the wellspring of life, the center of who you are. Now, this is not one of those words that you're like, well, what's it really mean? No, he means everything. He means that everything in your life ultimately comes back to you inside. And that will show itself like in conflict like no other thing in our life. But the great news is, is that Jesus Christ can transform your heart and that he can work in your heart. And so conflict has a way of revealing the status of our hearts. It's possible to have the right position, but the wrong heart. It's possible to, to, to say the right thing, but do it with the wrong motives. It's possible for all of us to be right, but yet have the wrong heart. And I think I've seen this play out in my life in the past couple of weeks. I've seen it play out in other people's lives. If we'll move from the who's right and who's wrong discussion and move to an examination of our own personal heart, we'll be headed in the right direction. If we would stop worrying about the right and wrong, now there are times certainly we need to stand for right and wrong. But for the most part, our family discussions and arguments and disagreements start as pretty minor petty things. And so if we'll move from right or wrong and move to the status of our heart, I think things will get better. Uh, three reasons I think this is, or three stories I want to share with you real quick about why I think the heart is more involved in conflict than you may think. Solomon, the wisest guy to ever live, was a king in Israel. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, if you've not read through 1 Kings, you've got to go, especially since we're in the midst of reading through Proverbs, uh, read like the first 12 chapters of 1 Kings. It gives like a recap of Solomon's life. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon has these two women who come before him. The women both have children. And one of the children died in the middle of the night. And so the other mom took them and swapped them. And it ends up in this large, massive disagreement about who has the live child and who has the dead child. And they're fighting over themselves. And they make their way all the way to Solomon. And what does Solomon say? Solomon says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cut the live baby in half and give each of you half of them. And that way everybody's happy. And you're like, that's crazy. But what is Solomon trying to get at? He's trying to get at the heart. Why does conflict have to do everything with the heart? I think one of the reasons is, is Solomon's about to show us the heart of the mother. What does she say? She cries out and says, no, just give the baby to the other woman. Let him live. And the heart of the one who had deceitful, or was deceitful with everybody, what'd she say? She said, yeah, cut him up in half. Let him have both of them. He's going after the heart. Conflict at the core involves who you and I are, and it reveals exactly who we are. 
So what happens? Solomon figures out who it is and gives the baby to the rightful mother. And, and everybody, what's it say in the end of 1 Kings chapter 3? It says, everybody was in awe of the wisdom that God granted Solomon. Jesus, when the woman is caught in adultery, the lady is standing before the Pharisees. Jesus comes onto the scene. And what does he tell them? He says, you who are without the first sin, cast the first stone. There's this conflict that happens, and what does Jesus do? He goes to the heart of the Pharisees and says, look, it's, it's, it's a heart issue. You're here to kill this woman, but this is a heart issue. Jesus with the disciples, when John and James ask, can we be first when we come into your kingdom? What's Jesus do? He goes after their heart. He goes after their pride. He says, look, if you want to serve anyone, you're going to have to be last, and the last will be first. Next time you're reading through the Bible, look at it, because almost every conflict you'll see, there's ultimately a heart issue. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. For the Christian, there's the outer conflict of our lives, but there's also an inner conflict. It's what the psalmist prayed in Psalm 86, 11, to give me an undivided heart. And as Christians, I hope we think about conflict differently from here on out of not just right or wrong, but what's the status of my heart? Because oftentimes you've got two people, two sinners, who've got their own agendas, who have got their own ideas, and no wonder we can't get along. But I think there's three ways to guard your heart. And that'll help with conflict. And I think Solomon gives them in the next couple of verses. And I want you to look at them with me. These are also indicators if you're like, I'm a pretty good person. I don't really feel like this applies to me. Um, buckle up. Um, because these are indicators of what your heart is really like. Here we go, verse 24. Keep your mouth free from perversity and keep corrupt talk from your lips. The first way to guard your heart and to help with conflict is to watch your words. I have been an offender of this probably since I started talking, right, where I just, I have ideas of what I should say, and sometimes I say them even though they're not the right things to say. Solomon here is talking about crooked words or words that are not helpful. Paul would go on in Ephesians 4 to say any unwholesome talk or what doesn't build others up. If that's the way you're talking, he says you shouldn't have any of that on your lips. And then he takes it a step further because it's possible to say all the right things with the wrong motives, right? It's possible to say nice things, but yet inside we're tearing each other to pieces. And so Jesus, because Jesus always does this, he takes it up a notch. In Mark chapter 6, he says this, Mark chapter 6, verse uh, 30, 43. Jesus comes along and he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn brushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in where? His heart. And an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the words you say come from inside you, and we learned from what Jesus said earlier that those things are the bad things that come, and so those bad things come up out of the heart, and if we don't guard the heart, those things will come out and cause you more conflict. And it's this vicious cycle that Solomon's trying to keep us from. What you say reveals what you really think. 
How many times in a conflict have you said, oh, that's not what I meant to say? That didn't come out like I, it actually probably is what you meant to say. I, like I said, I'm a, a failure at this of how many times I've said the wrong thing that unfortunately I probably meant. I share this with premarital counseling couples all the time. Uh, when Shelly and I were first married, we had just moved here and she had had some people over and she had uh, made some chili for the ladies of the church that came over. And usually when she's making something, she'll say, hey, what's this need? You know, like, what's it? does it need more pepper, salt, whatever? And of course, I thought I was being funny and she said, what's it need? And I said, I, it needs thrown out. Well, not proud of that moment. I was in trouble with my wife. She then called my mom, so I was even in more trouble. <laughs> now, was it not my favorite? Yes. Was it, do I wish I could take that back? Absolutely. That was a, that was a learning experience. But it is what I thought. And I said it the wrong way, and I had to kind of go back to what my mom used to tell my brother and I, if you can't say something nice, don't say something at all. But if you want to guard your heart, you got to watch your words. If you want to avoid some of the conflict in your life, you better just be quiet. And in our world where everyone has an opinion and everybody has something to say, sometimes the best thing you can do is just walk away for a time because it ultimately reveals who you are. And what you say reveals what you think. Kill on verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead of you. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the path of your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Don't get distracted when you face conflict because oftentimes in conflict, our, our response is defensive. And what Solomon says, he says, keep your eyes fixed before you. What he's talking about is keep your eyes focused on the Lord and Satan's best tool is distraction. He loves to get us focused on things that don't really matter. He loves to take our attention off of the Lord and onto a problem or onto a person. And when we think about conflict in our families, this happens all the time where it, it really, you end up fighting about, you don't even remember what you were fighting about. It started as something small. You get distracted. You took your eyes off of the Lord and what was most important, and you've become fixated on the problem. He says, fix your eyes directly before you. Don't let your eyes wander off. Stay focused on Christ. This isn't about just what you see, too, because in our world, this is about what you think about. And I am convinced that this is the difference maker for you and I as Christians. What we think about is everything. That's why Paul told the Romans, you've got to renew your mind. You've got to work through those things. So the second tip for guarding your heart and helping with conflict is watch what you think about. Watch your thoughts. We can disagree with people and not hate them. And we can be right and fail to love our neighbor because in our head or in our thoughts, we're saying the right things, but inside we're just brewing with hatred. I was in Dollar General last week because I go there a lot. And I always try and talk to the people I'm around just to be a nice person because I think that's what, I, what you should do. And uh, this lady was telling me how uh, offended she was at all the things that were happening in our country right now. And I, okay, sure. Um, so she gets really fired up about this. And she's talking to the cashier and myself and she starts going on and on and on. And she's like, we just need, you know what we need to do? And I was like, well, I don't know if we need to do anything, but okay. She's like, we just need to shoot them all. 
And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not going to help anything. And as I thought about that interaction with that lady, I, I know what she was saying. And at first I was like, this lady's crazy. And then I was like, I'm crazy. Because how many times have we done that? Right? And Jesus, once again, takes it up a notch. He says, look, if you've even thought of killing somebody, you've murdered them. If you've thought of sleeping with them, you've committed adultery. What you think about matters. And so I, I left. I was kind of laughing to myself because I was like, this lady is intense. I, but it does not take long for us to get there, which is why we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our actions. We have to guard our thoughts. We have to guard our words because it is leading us to a place where we are right on the position but we're wrong in regards to loving the people who God's called us to. And you want to know the difference between where we are right now as a culture and where we could be? We don't want to lose our testimony over how we think about things or how we say things or how we act because it's hard enough to talk to people about Jesus as it is, let alone when we make it even harder by the ways that we handle conflict. Louis Zamperini, the Olympic runner and World War II hero, was asked, how did he make it through the ordeal that he did? If you've never seen or read the book Unbroken, it's incredible. He didn't handle it well. He wanted to kill all the people who had harmed him. But then he fell into a thing where he, out of alcoholism, found Jesus Christ. He changed his heart. Literally, Louis talked about that all the time, was the change in his heart. And they said, Louis, how did you, how did you get through these last however many years until he died and he said, you know what the difference was? I had to change what I thought about. He said, I used to let that consume me all day long. And in conflict, what happens when we're in, a, in the middle of a conflict? It consumes us. So let me encourage you. Fix your gaze directly ahead. Don't let it go to the left or right. Stay focused on the Lord. When you find yourself in the midst of conflict, don't allow yourself to head down that path because you can be saying all the right things but inside the turmoil in, the, in its building. And some of those evil things will come out if we don't guard our hearts. Last thing, it says in verse 26, give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your feet from evil. The last thing you should do is watch your actions. He says, give careful thought. We don't think about guarding our hearts. We don't think about guarding our words or our thoughts or our actions, but we've got to. That is the difference in regards to conflict. It says that we should be steadfast in all our ways, that we should give thought to the path for our feet. What we do matters. Who we hang out with matters. What we say, what we watch matters. What we think about matters. And all of those come into this perfect storm of conflict, and it reveals the true nature of who we are. When it comes to conflict, we've got to have the long view in mind. And like the Afghani women came to understand it was better to be wrong and be alive than it was to be right and be blown to smithereens. Verse 27 says, do not turn to the right or the left, but keep your feet from evil. But keep your feet from evil. What you do affects your heart, and those actions go out to destroy a whole set of things. And so he says, give careful thought to the path of your feet, to where you go, give careful thought to what you're doing, don't turn to the right or left. Keep your feet away from evil and stay focused on him. The next time you face a conflict, I think that these should be the things you should do. Uh, Kyle mentioned last week that we should ask for wisdom. I think that should be a prayer every one of us should pray every single week. Because given to our own heart and our own desires, we will end up in a completely wrong place. 
But number one, we need to ask for wisdom. Number two, guard your heart. And number three, watch your words, your thoughts, and your actions. If you find yourself being selfish or arrogant or proud or dismissive or, or whatever way it is, if it always has to be your way, if it always has to be your idea, if it always has to be what you want to do, then you might not be guarding your heart like you should. Here's the tragedy of this entire account. Is that Solomon, if you know anything about how his life ended, he failed to listen to his own advice. And if it could happen to the wisest person outside of Jesus to ever walk this planet, it'll happen to you and it'll happen to me. The reason I say that is in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, it says this. It says that as Solomon grew older, as Solomon grew older, his wives turned his what? Heart. After other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord as the heart of David his father had been. He went on to follow Asherah, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. And I guess this is the point where it's like, oh my goodness, we need the Lord's help. If Solomon knew what to say, he said, guard your heart. For everything you do comes from it. Watch your words, watch your thoughts, watch your actions. And he's telling us all of this. And then later in life, as he grew older, what happened? He stopped guarding his heart. His wives turned him off to the other gods. And he, if, if you don't know about Solomon, he was an incredible guy. He had the favor of the Lord was upon him in ways that no one on this planet has ever seen before. And he lost it because he let his heart be turned astray. So if it can happen to Solomon, it can happen to you and it can happen to me. It's, if you read in the book of Proverbs, which I hope you have been doing, we're on day eight of Proverbs. If you've not been able to, to jump with us, just jump right in. Today's chapter eight, read chapter eight, follow it through the rest of the month. In Proverbs, it talks about a fool. And a fool is someone who knows the right thing to do, but chooses to go the other way. He became the fool, and we become the fools when we don't guard our hearts because we know that's what we have to do. So look, all of us, we're, you're not exempt from this because you're a nice person. You're not exempt from this because you try really hard. At the core of our sinful humanity is a heart that's bent on destruction, and only by the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ do we stand any chance of ever letting this change. And so you need Jesus Christ. And even once you have him, you need to continue to fix your eyes upon him and set your gaze before him because that's the only way this is ever going to work out. So, while I think it's helpful for you to watch your actions and thoughts and words, you're still going to come into conflict. And so it's not so much about being right or wrong, it's about the position of our heart. The great news is you can fix that. I don't know if you can fix every conflict in the world right now. I'm thinking probably not. But I know what you can fix is that you can fix your heart. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name, the psalmist says. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, that I might serve you. And so it's not us doing the work, it's God doing the work. And how do we do that? It's through repentance. It's through guarding our hearts. And so what I thought would be helpful today is that we would just close in a time of reflection and prayer. And I trust that the Holy Spirit, if you're following Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal some things in your life right now that I don't even know about. 
Some of you will come up later and be like, that was for me, wasn't it? And I'll be like, I have no idea if that was for you. I hope it was for you. But there may be something that God brings to mind even right now. And so I just want to give you a few moments to spend some time in prayer. And then here in a minute, we'll, we'll, we'll close that out. Before we do that, though, I want to take it a step further. Because fixing our heart is the first step. And then Jesus comes along and he raised the bar again and he says, look, if you're at the altar and you realize you've done something wrong against somebody, you need to try and make that right. So first we fix the problem within our own heart, then we go and fix it within ourselves. Maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody today, a friend, coworker, family member. Maybe you haven't treated them the right way. I think what a great opportunity. Pray and get right with the Lord now and then go and work on that relationship. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me just tell you that he wants to change your heart for the better. Not just for the sake of conflict, but for the sake of the rest of your life and an eternal life. To be free from the power of sin. So you can say yes to him and what he wants and no to the things that your heart wants so bad. And if you don't have a relationship with him, I'd love to talk with you after the service. But I just want to give you a few moments. You can tell the Lord where you're at. He knows it already anyways. But... uh, where you're at and give you a few moments to pray. your forgiveness for the times we have not kept our hearts pure. We ask for your forgiveness for the times we have not kept our words pure. We need your forgiveness for the times we have not kept our thoughts pure. God, we ask that you would create in us pure hearts, that you would renew in us a steadfast spirit 
those verses talked about, Lord, we pray that you would help us to keep our, our mouths from corruptive talk and deceit. Pray that you would help us to guard our hearts. Pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, we ask for your help to keep our feet from straying. We acknowledge today that it is only through you that this change can take place within our minds and within our hearts. It doesn't come through our own effort just trying harder it only comes from you transforming our hearts through a working of your spirit God we need that today Lord ultimately we, we pray that what flows from our hearts what flows from our mouths what is flowing in our thoughts God would be pleasing and honoring to you that it would be glorifying to you. And God, that it would be edifying for those around us. That what we say, what we do, it would point others to you. We thank you for giving us your wisdom in the storms of life and the trials of life. We know that you are with us you are our help, that you are our stronghold and our salvation. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.